In a far-off land, a radio show will commence. It's called Your Pet Matters, and tuning in would just make sense. Every Saturday at 10 a.m., relax and unwind. And listen to Dr. T, who has pet advice designed for you and for you alone. Free advice just for helping to keep your furry friend happy and healthy. Tune in to Your Pet Matters, a show underwritten by Progressive Veterinary Care with quality you can't deny. Only on 1077 The Bronx. Hey there, Pet Nation. It's Dr. T here. And welcome to Your Pet Matters, the Collaborative Vet podcast and YouTube channel. And I am stoked because I have, I believe it or not, I can read. Um, and I've actually got the author of this book here. And the beauty for me personally is this person is local to where I am. I know her husband um, and I'm getting to know her and I got to know her by reading the book. This book is phenomenal for anyone. Anyone needs to read this. It's called Sit, Stay, Heal, What Dogs Can Teach Us About Living Well. And I am so honored to have the author, Dr. Renee Alsraf. She's a veterinary oncologist on the show. So Renee, thanks so much for being on the show. It's great having you here. Oh my gosh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. And, and what, I, what I like to do with my guests initially on, on the first part of the show is we, we do what we call the origin story. So what got you into veterinary medicine? And then what sort of life changes, choices, events happened that led you to become an oncologist? So I have wanted to be a veterinarian since the age of seven, and I have never wavered. And I remember my dad wanted me to go to medical school and people would say, oh, it's so much harder to get into vet school, or you can make more money as a human physician and just have a bunch of animals. And it never deterred me one bit. Like I just knew it, it was my calling. And then uh, my father also happens to be a, a human medical oncologist. So that might be the slant for oncology. But when I was a oh my goodness, a sophomore veterinary student going into junior year um, on the bulletin board, right? Back when there wasn't the internet, and <laughs> you found out about life through, you know, a piece of paper and a tack. Um, I was in Michigan and there was an application for the Animal Medical Center in New York City for summer externs. And I applied to oncology. Maybe they didn't have a lot of competition because I did get that position. And so I didn't look back. I packed my bag for the summer. I was there for six weeks and it, it changed the trajectory of my life. I didn't realize that there were really viable veterinary specialties out there, you know, short of at a university and a teaching hospital. Um, and I knew that I absolutely loved the, the study of or the treatment of cancer in animals. Um, from there, I, after I graduated, I did uh, do an internship at the Animal Medical Center and I matched there as well for a medical oncology residency. Wow. And so yeah. can I ask you, did you get in on your first try to vet school? I did. Yes. Yeah. And at the time, I think they still do this. Michigan State had like you could do undergrad kind of in an accelerated three year program. And I decided to do that thinking, you know, because so many people 
take two or three or even four tries to get in. I thought, well, this way, if I don't get in, I can stay another year and get a teaching certificate and be like a high school biology teacher. Um, but I was, I was really fortunate um, to have gotten in. That is awesome. No, and so I, you're you're <gasps> underplaying your capabilities here. I apologize. My my dog bar. I think the doorbell rings. My, my dog. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, we're, we're, which is all... I can't tell you how many times this happens on the show, but that's real life, people. That's real <laughs> yeah. life. Jeez, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> um, any big any big events in vet school so you said, you said one of the life-changing things was applying for that externship right but was there anything in vet school like that you could give as an advice as an advice to a young vet student that would help them because you know as you know vet, vet school can be very difficult and you know we get in there on first year we're yay and the second year is yes. like uh, third year is like <laughs> right it's things like that so any advice you could give a young veterinary student that would help them um, you know i think the most valuable lesson i learned was when i was a senior uh, veterinary student right so we're in clinics and i was with this very senior clinician you know shadowing him and going in and out on cases and there was one case i don't remember the the details of the case but it was very sad and the family was crying and i noticed you know the gentleman just had his arms straight down by you know his white lab coat and i think i probably got a little misty i know i didn't outright cry but you know it was it was a sad moment and the family left and the clinician and i went in the back and he said he pulled me aside he's like you know don't worry don't worry renee uh, you know, after you, you know, you go through a few of these after a couple of years, you'll harden up and it won't affect you. You'll be fine. And I thought that's the exact opposite thing I ever want to do. Right. Like I want to feel all my feelings, feel sorry sometimes for my husband. haha. Ha. But I want to, right? I will, if, if it ever becomes that I'm not feeling those feelings for that family or that pet, that's when I want to stop and hang up my lab coat. Um, so, it, you know, we it's, shouldn't. It's, go ahead. We shouldn't be stoic, right? We shouldn't yeah. be be machines. We should be living, breathing, feeling beings. Because, you know, you're going to have good outcomes and you're going to have bad outcomes. But that advice for that vet student is what that family will remember is that we cared and we tried. And it's interesting because in the book, I, I realized at what the first case, Daisy, Mrs. Johnson, yes. you yeah. hugged her. And I, yes. so you are a hugger because after that one instance, I see hug, 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 hug. <laughs> and that's phenomenal. And it, it, what, what it, what it led to me was a, a sense of like, and we'll get to this because I want to talk about your team is that there's this, there's this journey you go through, not only with the patient, but equally as important with the pet parent and i think that's phenomenal and and i understand you start you started a support group right for bereavement way correct. back before support groups actually existed correct yes actually i was a senior in veterinary school and i saw all of these families just grieving and there was nowhere to go with their grief and at the time even it wasn't even socially acceptable to talk so much about it unless right with another fellow dog or cat lover um and i did i was able to get a, a large amount of donations so that it could continue on even after i left and i'm sure now it just has its own you know life of its own but it was it was good 
See, see, you do things like this, and I started a Scotch Appreciation Club. <laughs> like, this totally different thing. <laughs> it's probably still going on, too, but... Uh, oh, that's <laughs> awesome. That's great. <laughs> but that, that's phenomenal. Um, and, and in the book, because I'm talking about you, so in the book, you talked about the, the mind over matter thing, and, and uh, you know, there's a lot of things about manifestation now and how to manifest things, and so... Is that something that you draw upon on an, on an everyday basis and especially through your through your cancer diagnosis and everything like that? A hundred percent. You know, I mean, I realized to many people, they probably thought she's lost her marbles, but I was convinced that I could will away the side effects. Um, I was convinced that I, you know, people said, oh my gosh, were you scared going through it? Were you this or were you that? I was in a battle and, and I was hoping to win all the battles, but ultimately I was determined to win the war. Um, and you'll think I'm crazy, but I, I sort of feel like I manifested my book as well. And that book is Sit, Stay, Heal, What Dogs Can Teach Us About Living Well. We'll be back with more from the wonderful Dr. Renee Alsaraf after these messages. Your Pet Matters is back to answer your pet queries. Come get free pet advice from our friend, Dr. T, only on 1077 The Bronx. Let's talk about parts of that book. And and part of it is like, there are a billion quotes about pets out there, like a billion, literally. And yet you have two there. Is there any particular reason why you chose those two quotes? Oh my goodness. Um... They really spoke to me, and I think they were the they are the heart of the book as well. So I thought it was just just a really good fit. Yeah, and I, I don't want to tell them. You have to read the book. You have to open the book to do it. It'll, <laughs> it'll come out very shortly. I believe 18th, right? The 18th, it's out. October 18th. Yes. October 18th, it's out. Yeah. So so just remember that. But the quotes the quotes hit you too. They hit, everything hit me in this book. Oh, okay, so, so in, in the book, like there's a bunch of pets in there, right? And then I'm looking at your your viewpoint about that where you use comments like live in the moment you know um cosmo you say always goes in pets always go in with the best possible attitude um you know part of it we we talk about in the vet world is the you can't the pets don't really know they have cancer right it's not like you sit there and tell them they have cancer and so their whole approach towards this is different and so what sort of experiences did you have with these pets, especially since you're, you know, you're dealing with cancer on your own end, right? And you're dealing with these pets because the, the whole book just, I, I love, it's, it's almost like you could do a transition element in a video format because it probably be made, made into a movie, I'm telling you. And then, <laughs> right, you, you talk about the pet, right? So it's interaction with the pet with cancer and then you, you transition over to your own personal experiences. So what, what did, what did you get out of these pets, especially feeling what you're feeling at that time? Oh my goodness. Uh, loaded question. Um, (laughs) (laughs) so, um, I think I'm going to answer it backwards if you don't mind. Um, once I fully came back, cause I had to take a leave of absence for a period, Um, it was so wonderful to be back because I loved it, right? I didn't complain anymore that I was exhausted or my long day or whatever, or you didn't get lunch again, right? Because you're just too busy. Um, I 
cherished it. Sort of like COVID has made everyone appreciative of, you know, so many things that maybe we took for granted. Um, but on some level, it was also a little bit hard, right? Talking about maybe to a new family, a chemotherapy drug that I had. So I had my own flashbacks or feelings and yet trying to still be professional and get the information across was emotionally trying and challenging. You know, there's the one place in the book where I'm seeing a little dog back um, for suture removal after being spayed. And thankfully the dog, you know, didn't have cancer. Everything was benign, all good. The woman and her dog left and I looked down and literally my hand is resting atop my abdomen where my um, scar, my incision was. And I didn't even realize that, right? So it's those sort of unconscious things um, that, that become apparent. Um, in terms of, you know, the, my dogs as patient and me as patient, um, part of it is just their genetic makeup to write. They don't lose their hair like we do. That's just a whole different thing. But I think the, what they teach us or what they mirrored for me was so much more valuable than the genetic aspect. Um, they didn't have those what ifs going in. You know, will I get sick? Will the other dogs think badly of me if I've lost my hair? You know, what am I gonna tell my friends and family? Um, and I realized that we all try, we worry, right? And fret, I think in a way of trying to control things that are uncontrollable, but it only serves to bring us down. And it just creates that negative energy it exhausts us before we even walk through that front door to see that doctor or whatever struggle we're going with. And then once you're done, you know, we we leave and we say, I can't believe it took the nurse two tries to get, you know, the catheter in me. Dogs don't do that. They're like, I'm done. Where's the biscuit? Let's, let's just go and enjoy getting to be. Um, and I think that is such a huge, huge help. Um, yeah. no, that so many. Is, Renee, that is awesome. That is awesome. Yeah, that's that's a great. I knew I threw you on the spot there, but that was a great answer. That was great, phenomenal. And it, it's it's interesting because you you meet some characters. Well, I met some characters in the book, and these are these are real people, right? These, these are, are real, real people. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I love I love the. Is it Sasha's dad who's used yes. to getting his own way because. Oh, yeah. <laughs> how did you feel after you found out what because you stood up to him before oh, yeah. you knew what he was right yes oh we went toe to toe it was and we just stared at each other only i wasn't giving up had i known more about him and you know like that i learned at the end i probably would have been you know a little softer but, <laughs> but nobody needed that i think you did. did a great he job did. and i think right. i it's funny because I think he totally respects you now. Yes. And then you have lifelong protection, right? <laughs> exactly. Correct. Mike cannot like step out of line. So. Oh my God. I just, I love that. I was cracking up at that. See that that's one of the funniest moments of the book. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then let's switch gears a little. So Bentley's dad, right? So yes. you, you, you get this curt individual. So, so it, it, part of it, and, and we can get, get into that is you are dealing with, 90% human emotion here 
as a veterinary oncologist, let me clarify, as a veterinary oncologist, you're dealing with 90% human emotion. The humans are tied up in this. And the dogs are just, as you said, the dogs are just like, hey, I'm in the moment. What, you know, give me that treat. Oh, I have to sit here for a bit. Okay, I'm done. Bye. You know, yep. come see you next week or whatever. And and like 10% of actually dealing with that that dog issue, your training has enabled you to like, it, I love the fact you go, I'm aspirating this, I'm aspirating this. Okay, boom, 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 boom. Oh, I felt this and this is this. So um, you're an expert at lymph node palpation and aspiration. <laughs> Absolutely. And then I love the... Um, was it CDI? I'm going to start using that. Clean, yes. dry, and intact. That's a new. Yes. That's a new uh, little uh, yes. three, three-letter thing. I'm going to start using. I thought that was great. But but you're 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 dealing with that. Your expertise enables you to de- deal with the problem because you 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 you've seen it before. You, you're experienced. You've got this thing. But these people and dealing with this aspect. And so, you know, it it, it was. H- how did you how did you feel about like Bentley's dad's situation? Like how did you? did you have to break a barrier down right because that that's the other time i knew you were a hugger because you sat you guys sat beside him and talked to them and and i think that's that's for me it solidifies you are the right person for your career choice i can't i can't stress that enough but how did you feel about situations like that or how would you how would you advise actually let's think of this how would you advise a young oncologist right because yeah Vet, vet school doesn't prepare us for this, right? Right. None of, right, it doesn't all. prepare us for this. So, so what advice would you give to a, a, a young veterinary oncologist? Uh, one of my students is actually finishing her residency at AMC, by the way. So she's gonna ah. she's gonna come to, to church. I'll, I'll put you in touch with her after the show. Um, okay. But what advice would you give um, her? Her name's Danielle. Mm-hmm. Um, to deal with situations like this. Don't sit across from them. Sit next to them, literally and figuratively right? Because you're on the same side, you're in this together. They need to know that you have their back and that, and their dog's back because you do, right? But sometimes we get, people get caught up too much in, I don't know, the white coat, which I always wore a white coat because I wore my dress. So I needed pockets and things. Um, You know, we get a little bit too caught up in being stoic or professional. And I think one of the differences, which I realize we might touch on later, like between human medicine and veterinary medicine, is we treat that entire family dynamic, right? There's so many things that go into that decision. Um, And one of the life lessons I've learned, hopefully is seen in the book, is that dogs meet us where we're at, right? We don't have to put on any front. We as veterinarians, need to meet that pet parent where they're at and it might be you know we need to talk about finances because that could be a thing we need to talk just about their preconceived ideas on what it is to treat a diabetic or a cancer patient or a heart you know condition patient Um, we need to know about their risk tolerance about their ability to come back and forth but then there's always the backstory and and I realized that that is the one thing that drives me and continues to fill me back up, even though sometimes that backstory is really, really sad. There was this one gentleman um, who used to come. He's he's not in the book. Um, there are so many others that could have been in the book. Oh, but, yeah, you no, know, yeah. The book can only be so long. Um, and he would always bring his little Shih Tzu and the dog had lymphoma. 
The dog did great for about a year and a half. And then unfortunately um, we lost you know, the, the battle. Uh, but whenever he would come, he would just hand us the dog. He would stay seated in the waiting room. Wouldn't really look at us in the face. You know, I would ask him questions. I'd get very short kind of um, soft answers. You know, at first I just maybe thought he was shy, but everyone's demeanor is different. And it's fine, his dog did well. Um, and about three to four weeks after that dog had passed, um, I get in the mail at work a big manila envelope and a handwritten note, a couple of pages and photographs. And he finally opened up. Um, I might get a little teary. This was his daughter's dog and she had recently passed. She was only 23. And so he wanted to do everything possible for that dog. Um, and it turns out he didn't, the family didn't really have the money to pay for all the treatments. And here's for all your listeners, if you're struggling, tell your veterinarian, right? We all are softies and we will really, really try to do whatever we can to financially make it work. But um, at any rate, he didn't share that, but instead he took the midnight shift at the local grocery store and he was cutting, his job was to cut the cold cuts to be prepackaged the next day so that he could pay. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Um, and I, I think ultimately he felt good. The family felt good about their decision and, and they believed that now his daughter and, and her little Shih Tzu were reunited, but it's just, you know. Oh man, see that's cry number seven for me. <laughs> no, that's a that's an excellent that's an excellent story, and it's it we don't know the battles they're facing. They come in, Correct. and we we tend to be. I think we as veterinarians, because we're we tend to be at some point a little bit of the brunt of yes. their emotions, yep. right? And I find that you know um, they can do it, but I look at it as we create an open environment that allows them to actually express. We'll be right back after a few short messages on 1077 The Bronx. You're listening to Your Pet Matters with Dr. T. Hear ye, hear ye. Your Pet Matters is back to answer your pet queries. Come get free pet advice from our friend, Dr. T, only on 1077 The Bronx. So why don't we delve into it? Why don't we delve into... Um, I think just in general, there's differences between how we as veterinarian professionals approach situations versus the human profession. And, and I'm going to be a little controversial here because there are those that, that really feel that the human medical world can actually learn a lot about veterinarians and how we deal with things, um, not only from communication standards, but, you know, end of life and uh you know passing and, and hospice care and everything like that so so i just wanted to get your thoughts on how this it, it's it's like a team effort so you have you your team the pet parent and the patient and you're dealing with the case versus how it, it, and I, I don't want to criticize your care I, i'm sure the care that you received was excellent but it seemed like there was a lot of alone in that your camaraderie came through speaking with the other patients there, or if, if Mike had, had joined you there beside you, your husband, right? It, that's the sense I got as versus when a pet's getting their chemo, that they're, they're being snuggled by one tech, right? You're there and the whole team there. And it, to me, it creates a completely different environment. I wanted your take right. on that. Yeah, well, we actually had one um, is a uh, really overweight darling, like four, maybe 
I don't know, three or four year old um, female bulldog named Amy. And I don't know if you remember that song on the radio. I'm not going to completely, you know, it was like a, maybe like a 60s or 70s type folk, you know, um, Amy, what you're going to do? Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. So yeah, we yeah, would yeah. literally yeah. sing that song in the back. And I remember, again, her father was very stoic. <laughs> and I would, I one time told him this and he was just silent. I think he thought we were crazy, but you know, the, the bulldog would wag its stubby little tail and its rear end. And she would be all excited because we were singing her, her little happy song. Um, um, you know, it, it's, uh, I too will be controversial. You know, I, I, I commend the human profession. They are in certain aspects, leaps and bounds, you know, further from us in terms of knowledge and technology. And thank God, you know, I got the best of care. Like I cannot say enough good about it, but there are some things um, that that they could learn from us, just like we learned from them. And uh, I was one time um, uh, euthanizing a family's Labrador and it had actually lived for seven years with metastatic uh, cancer like, wow it just beat the odds it did great yeah and the father uh, uh is a pediatrician and his son was just uh in his senior year of medical school and the mother was there and um at the end of it their son said to me actually no it was after they went home and we had sent them flowers and um the family had called the next day and they said that their son had said, I learned more about compassion in that, you know, 30 minute endeavor, um, you know, with Dr. A, than I have learned in my four years of medical school. Wow. And so I think sometimes we as veterinarians or just as, as veterinary medicine in general, you know, the technical staff, nursing, we just, maybe bring a bit more, as a whole, compassionate view. Um, I think too, sometimes, just my opinion, of course, that human medicine has become so specialized that they lose sight of the whole patient. Whereas as veterinarians, even if you know I'm just doing oncology or my husband's just doing ophthalmology, we still treat that whole patient. And I think we, at least for as an oncologist, I get to know that family because we're treating that entire family dynamic, not just the signs and symptoms of the disease. Um, you know, one of the things that bothered me is um, when I asked any of my doctors, radiation oncologist, medical oncologist, surgeon, nobody was willing to tell me what the odds were. Whereas in veterinary medicine, you bring your dog to me, I can tell you the percent chance that he goes into remission. And I can tell you based on months or days or, you know, weeks or years, what that, you know, what those odds are of reaching those numbers. Um, and I understand from the human uh, profession, you know, they said it doesn't matter what the masses do. You know, if you're that 10% who, who you know is very unfortunate if you're that 20% who hits it out of the park you know it really doesn't matter because it's just you and i get that i think though for me as type a and you know kind of a scientist 
um, I wanted to know because I wanted to know what the benchmark was so that I could do better. Yeah, um, sure. But I also get that if they had said, oh my goodness, you know, there's a you know, big chance that people with this don't do well, that might have just brought me down and and certainly they don't want that. Yeah, it's well, it's interesting because uh, I, I was wondering if a lot of this actually has to do with liability concerns they have. I'm sure right? probably that some, we don't, yes. we don't really deal with, right? You know, it's right. like I, every time I get the silent type treatment, I agree with you. I, I get that on, on my end as well from, from the human profession. I always wonder, is there some form of liability concern that they have, you know, and uh, and it, it but it then it becomes detrimental for care, right? Patient care, right? Correct. Correct. And, and, and the I, other thing I, that made me think when you're talking about chances, I always think about like the Star Trek episodes. We have a two percent chance of this being successful, <laughs> and it works, right? It works. Exactly. So like, yeah, Correct. beat the odds. No, but Correct. you're absolutely right. And what, yeah. when I do tell clients about seeing oncologists. I say they're going to tell you exactly what the percentages are based yes. on what you decide to do. And it's like, Correct. it's interesting, right? Because that, that's one of the first questions these people want to know, right? What, yes. what are the chances? Because I need to know whether it's yep. personal, financial, whatever. I need to know. Yes. So, yeah, that's an excellent, excellent yeah. answer. What, I ahead. think medical insurance, right, that people have, right, that also handcuffs a lot of physicians. Whereas we are so fortunate right now and hopefully we won't ever have to deal with it that way, right? To have a third party payer for us because we don't have those limitations. We don't, um, and I, I think re it's much better medicine. It's much freer atmosphere if we don't have that. Oh, and way more communicative because like, it's like if, if someone is, if a third party is dictating where you go for the next steps, and, yeah. and I'm your GP and I don't know who that person is. How can I guide, right? Like right. to me, it's always about, you know, and that's the other thing I love about vet medicine is it's, I always say we're one degree of separation from where we've got the world. It's like, you know, I know you through Mike, right? We, we pass cross that animal. Like, it's like, I think right. everyone is familiar to me. So it's like, even if I really don't personally know a specialist that I refer, I kind of know them, right? You know what I right. mean? It's like, or know of them, or I can find out really quickly right? yes. <laughs> by making a phone call or text, right? So it's one of those things that I, that I think is, is fortunate about the vet profession. Yeah. And I, I think that's an area. I think communication is huge and it's, it's, it's not there. It's like it until the invention of these um, portals for my own medical health. I'm really not getting answers or looking at things unless I go into my own portal and go. So you know, I'm being a vet. I'm looking at my. Well, oh, okay. Oh, okay. Let's right. That's what we do, right? Correct. It's our it's our nature. It's our inquisitive nature, um, exactly. as veterinarians do. When we talk about the team, because the things, the keys I got out of the book were, yeah, music is a huge part of what your team does. Um, your your team gets incredibly close to the patients because. You know, you, you'll report things to them, good and bad. Um, they'll cheer or they'll cry. Um, you guys have tons of hug sessions. But but for you personally, as you're going through your treatment, your team is picking up your dog, Newton, right? For going through his treatment too, right? Correct. And it was, it was it, I got to tell you that it's, it's something that I, I now I'm being critical of the vet world. I don't really see a lot of that camaraderie in the vet world. Um, I don't see a lot of that that good culture there. And so that's what blows me away about the book. And, and you created a culture with your team that's amazing. Um, and I, I love, uh, someone played the Rocky theme, right? When you were doing yeah. it, right? One of your texts, right? Yeah. So When we I go out to the waiting room, yes. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> when I a dog, when a pet like graduates that. their protocol, we're playing the Rocky theme. I yeah. love that. Yeah. And do you, uh, do you, so you send flowers to every, every um, deceased pet? Is that, is that your, pro you have a certain protocol? Um, no, only select ones. Everyone, okay. of course, would always get a card and, yep. and a call, but yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. No, yes. that is that is great. But but let's talk about your team. So you guys have been working together for a long time together. You're very close. And mm -hmm. and and what role did the team? Well, what role does the team play for pet oncology? And what role did they play for your own um, battles? Uh, they are paramount to pet oncology. I could not do the job that I do without them at all. They are my right hand and my left hand. Um, I, again, going back to that whole knowledge is power. I firmly believe that the more they know, the more they learn, the more I initially train them, um, the better that they can serve then our, our clients and the pets. Um, yes. And it's, it's something that I would trust them implicitly. Um, wow. Yeah. And they know that I always have their back. And in turn, uh, I know that they have my back. Yeah. And it, it is funny because I think there's moments in the book where you go, um, so-and-so was diagnosed with this. They already know what to do. Like I go, I just give them Absolutely. the guidelines, right? Or they yeah. they double check my dosing, right? You know, I, yes. I, it, answers like that yeah. are phenomenal because that yes. tells me how qualified or expert the, the team is. Yeah. That's phenomenal. Yeah. We call it checks and balances is, you know, kind of like. Yeah. That's great. Uh, that that is great. Let's let's talk about your other team. Let's talk about your, your husband and your son. And there, there's a lot of mm -hmm. moments in, in in the in the book, and, and completely understandably, you, your your son's going through life changes that you you know you're you're thinking about. You want to be present for in the future, and then um, Mike is doing his thing. So so. What I know of Mike is he he's 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 got to be a workaholic, right? Because he's he's he's, he's, he's everywhere. He drives everywhere. I know it's oh, yeah, crazy. He's consulting here, doing this, doing this, doing yes. this here. Like I don't think there's a referral center he hasn't touched. Um, but it, it it's funny because it, it, my impression in the book was that how you know he's there. There's things he clearly does. He he kind of goes. I don't know if I, I really want to deal with this, so mm -hmm. to speak, right? You know, but mm -hmm. but I am there, and and it, it's almost like a silent stoic backbone for you that if things are, are necessary but but and it, like i said before i think it's really funny because he's a talkative guy so to me <laughs> blows my mind but 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 the question i had was if they were here right now how would they describe you oh my goodness all right so you are the first person to ask that <laughs> um I would say that Mike, my husband, would say that I, he, he really wouldn't use this word, but he would mean this, that I was very diligent, right? That I'm all in, that I'm, um, I'm not a perfectionist, but I always want to do things to the best degree that I can. Um, he would say that my patients and my uh, coworkers really, you know, for the most part loved me. Um, he would say probably the one main adjective that he would use as simple as it is, is that I'm nice. Um, yeah, so I think that's, that's how he would describe it. How about your son? My son would think, would say, cause he has voiced this to me okay. <laughs> that, that, um, 
you know, from his vantage point that whatever, and I'm not, this is not true people as you listen, but you know, whatever I do, I do it really well. You know, so many people, you know, want to write a book. I've learned that only 8% of the people, of the people that say they want to write a book ever write a book, let alone, you know, get it published at one of the major publishing houses, etc. Um, and what I try to then pivot to say, well, it's a lot of hard work, right? If this doesn't just come easily or naturally, it's because I'm really just passionate about everything. Um, Peter would say that I'm funny um, and that I am, I'm smart. Yeah. Hopefully you guys, he wouldn't like, say. The, hopefully he wouldn't it? say that I micromanage him and that I know <laughs> too much. Because <laughs> those have been words that have been used. <laughs> okay, well that that's recorded for all time. <laughs> yeah, all so good. That's, that's fine. That's okay. That's it's mm-hmm. always in his best interest, Pete. It's in your best interest. <laughs> exactly. It's coming from a good place. <laughs> and you guys are like you guys are very close. I, I yes, get this huge feeling. You're very close. Uh-huh. We'll be right back after a few short messages on 1077 The Bronx. You're listening to Your Pet Matters with Dr. T. Hear ye, hear ye. Your Pet Matters is back to answer your pet queries. Come get free pet advice from our friend Dr. T only on 1077 The Bronx. Are you okay talking about Newton? Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, because mm-hmm. part, part of it was, um, you know, while you had your battles, Newton had his, right? Mm-hmm. And and it was one of those things. Um, it, it, I, I was blown away by how that breed plays a huge role in your life, um, you know, and and everything like that. But but how did you feel when when you, I think you used the terms that I felt guilty because I'm I'm so I'm winning. I feel like I'm winning, and they're telling me I'm winning my battle, and 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 Newton was not. What, what kind of thoughts? So- in the beginning, it was fantastic, right? So he was being treated with chemotherapy while I was literally being treated with chemotherapy and he was just kicking butt. He, it didn't phase him. He was as happy as a lark, um, but I guess the shoemaker's children never have shoes and he did not do as well as the odds um, at all, which was hard and, and you know, here it is, we always think of our dogs as companions and by our side, but I never thought that my dog would be by my side simultaneously getting chemotherapy. And then there was there was guilt. It wasn't survivor's guilt, but it was, did I do everything I could have for him? Which I did, but we always second guess. And I had hoped that we would both come out unscathed, if you will, or or successful. And yet, you know, I did and he didn't. Someone, not me. Um, And I don't know how I feel about this, but just to share, because there might be other people thinking the same thing. Someone thought that perhaps he gave up his life um, so that I would go on with mine. Again, I mean, I'm not gonna argue with the, you on that at all. You, there, we, you know, I, I, we're having a discussion that we're we're all energy, right? We're beings of energy. Where does that energy go? And in what form, shape, right? Because my my son was asking me about ghosts, 
right? Uh, so I'm trying yes. to think, okay, well, we're energy and everything like that. That right. was a, that was an interesting discussion. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, and I, I think it's, I, I laughed that he didn't have a fully developed brain, right? <laughs> Gosh, I know, I know, right? Or back to the energy, right? If I'm becoming part boxer, if I start drooling and have a tremendous amount of wrinkles, I might be in trouble. <laughs> well, you always be happy. Your yeah, that's stub, true. Your little stub of wag all the time, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but along those lines, so how would you? <clears throat> is there advice you would give? So you you are a family of three humans, right? Mm-hmm. And whatever. Mm-hmm. So what advice would you give if someone else was going through that with a a high school age son? And and you know what sort of advice would you give to help them yep. deal with that? And and you know with the struggles of of the future thoughts and so forth. Yeah. Okay. So. Um it is much harder to go through it with a child of any age versus just you or you and your spouse. Um, because as a mom or a dad, right, it's, it's just your instinct, not even just your job, because you want to protect them and you don't want them to feel sad. But it's healthier for them to feel their feelings and talk through it and, and experience it, even though I never wanted my son to have to go through that, especially while his mom was convalescing. Um, but the one thing I firmly believe and that I told Peter, my son, was that, you know, we all want our pets to live a whole lot longer than we ever, you know, than their, than their lifespans. Um, but that's just not reality. But I believe that each dog is placed into our life, our lives, just when we need them most to fill a need or a hole or a lesson that maybe I didn't even know I needed to learn. And so I've been blessed in my lifetime to have had a few of, experience a few dogs, or maybe for some people, many dogs. Um, that's that's a blessing, even though it's it's sad at the end. For me, as as profoundly sad as it can be, it doesn't wipe away those eight years or ten years or twelve years that I have um, gotten to experience with my dog. What a great answer! And are you you guys are you guys closer because of all these experiences in your mind? You feel you're, you guys are closer um, as a family unit. Probably. Yeah. I think more we've open. always been, right? Just because yeah, it's just yeah, the three you, of you us. Yeah, you guys are tight. Maybe yeah, and we open. don't have any outside family that lives in the state of New Jersey. So, yes. I, I am, uh, we, I'm a mirror image of what you have. Exactly. Okay. There's three of us. Yep. Um, our, except our dog rules the house. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, I get it. And I, 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 my sense from the book is that your communication with each other is more open. Yes. Yeah. yeah that's probably very that's awesome. true. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so now you're on this new role. You're, you're mm-hmm. going to, I, I, I got to tell you, like I was blown away. Um, I have interviewed several people who've written books, but none of them, like, like you said, the percentages of getting to a big publisher and everything, you've got this machine behind you. This book is going to be, I'm telling you, this book is going to be huge. Um, so, um, oh yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to drop one off. Can you sign one? <laughs> yes. Happy to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I'll do that. 
Don't hey, they're great. They're great holiday gifts. They're great <laughs> yeah. hostess gifts. Yeah. I have yeah. no shame. No, that's totally fine. I yeah. get it. Um, yeah. As of the 18th, everyone, as of the 18th mm-hmm. is published, everything like that. Um, no, well, my, my, one of my uh, team members, um, I was talking about the book and she goes, um, can I buy it? I said, you got to wait till the 18th and then you can buy it all you want. So yeah, that's yeah. awesome. But you have this new role now. So you, you're, you're an author. Mm-hmm. And so, so what sort of, what, what do you want to happen with this book? What sort of uh, future do you want yes. with this book in yourself? So I really, really hope it helps a lot of people. I hope it it shows that dogs can be our guides during our times of struggle, right? And that and the power, the enormous power of the human animal bond in our lives, that we are all better because of it. Um, Someone in the publish, publishing industry uh, read my book. She has a five-year-old Westie and completely healthy, happy. And she said, you know, after I read your book, I felt that I was a better pet parent. I felt that I was happier. Um, and oh, my, oh, and she felt that she was a better person. So I'm wow. hoping that it touches people and and helps them to maybe feel validated, I hope you know, in, in all of their thoughts and what they do, and to maybe have a slightly adjusted, happier attitude or outlook as well. That's, that's awesome. Do you see yourself writing more in the future? I would love to write more. That's awesome. Yes. You should, because this is good. Thank you. So remember everyone, this is, it's Sit, Stay, Heal. Yeah. Dr. Renee Alsroff, how dogs can teach us about living well. There is a website, I can tell you. Yeah, uh, absolutely. www.sitstayhealbook.com. Um, awesome. Yeah. I'll, I'll post that. Thank well, you. Well, Renee, it's been phenomenal. I, I feel like I know you even more now because of what we talked about. Um, we've delved more into the, the, the what was behind the, the words that are on the page, which I think is phenomenal. Um, and I wish you the best. And thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure. I really appreciate it. And remember, everyone, love your pet like they love you unconditionally. Have a great day. Your Pet Matters with Dr. T comes to a close. Yet fret not if you missed the 10 a.m. Saturday show. Tune in Monday morning at 9, if you please. And hear free advice for all your dog and cat needs. You can find past episodes on the Your Pet Matters podcast or go to 1077thebronc.com slash yourpetmatters. At last! Made for you and your pets. 1077 The Bronx is beyond compare. Your Pet Matters is underwritten by Progressive Veterinary Care.